Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. The Jericho Network on Westwood One. X-Pac 12360, featuring weekly news, insider commentary, and interviews with superstars, past and present from the world of pro wrestling. A new day is dawning for DX. And now, your hosts, Sean, X-Pac, Wolfman. Welcome to X-Pac 12360, everyone. I'm your host, Sean X-Pac, Waltman. And, uh, you know, this is a huge show today, and uh, I guess I'm going to start off right now uh, by making a big announcement. Uh, X-Pac 12360 is now a part of the Jericho Network and Westwood One, and I'm really happy to announce that. Yeah. Everyone. yeah. Known Chris for many, many years, obviously the almost all of the 30 years I've been wrestling, and, uh, you know, we've been... Had great matches together, and uh, and now I'm I'm really really excited to uh, to be uh, uh, back on the on the Jericho team as far as uh, doing some business together. Uh, everything Chris does is a success, and so I'm happy to be part of the Jericho Network and Westwood One. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and uh, um, huge show today. Uh, joining us a little bit. Uh, later on the phone is the greatest of all time himself, Shawn Michaels, Heartbreak Kid. And uh, right now, though, I'm so honored uh, that this guy joined us in studio. Uh, I, I, I threw the invite out there. Uh, it wouldn't have been uh, wouldn't have been offended if if he couldn't have made it. But uh, this guy did make it, and he's a five time Emmy winner and a Peabody award winner and uh to me one of the one of the great uh filmmakers of things like uh having to do with sports of all time definitely uh of our time Roy Carp. yeah wow. thanks for having me welcome <laughs> sir was that a, was that a long drawn out like <laughs> that was, was a awesome. good introduction man really i did it off the top of my head <laughs> that was good and 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 rory thank you so much man oh man i love your show thank big you big admirer of yours and thanks. uh i'm honored that you're honored to even have me so <laughs> so you know uh when i first heard about uh you doing 30 for 30 on on nature boy rick flair um I I looked into like your your uh your resume mm-hmm. and and uh, I was dumbfounded. I was like, "Wow, he did Dale, which is like the it's is it still the uh the highest selling sports DVD of all time?" That's what they say. I mean, I think what happened was Walmart like had an exclusive deal uh, okay. and they just bought like a million copies so they could just say hey. but they sold them all, so that's good. Wow. Yeah, man. Yeah, so that was a cool project to do, work with the R&R. Yeah, that I, and uh, one on Wendell Scott. Mm-hmm. Amazing. For anyone that does, doesn't know who Wendell Scott is, he was the first African-American NASCAR driver. Right, that's right. Yeah, and uh, Richard Pryor played him in a movie many, many it's years ago. Lightning, yeah. Yeah, uh, so there's that. And uh, obviously, 
my phone just went off. <laughs> Obviously, uh, you know, want to talk about Coach Snoop today because that's the, that's the main thing. But I mean, there's so many things you've done. So I, many. I've things been blessed, you've done, man. Yeah. I've been blessed. So you know, I just. Uh, I don't know, man. I just try to follow the rainbow wherever it takes me, but, and I've been lucky. So, I mean, this is a obviously it's a wrestling podcast. So, like, how long have you been a wrestling fan? Man, I was a wrestling fan since I first saw it on Saturday mornings. When I was like six years old. I grew up in Philadelphia, and Lafayette Hill. What's that? Are you from Lafayette Hill? Yeah, Lafayette Hill. Do you know yeah. the area? Yeah, yeah no. I so, lived in Chester, PA. Oh, right, right. That's right. You you lived in Philly yeah. for a while. Yeah, so I mean, I uh, I would go to the Civic Center to see the NWA and the Spectrum to see WWF. And uh, and the ECW, before it was ECW, it was called like something else, like Eastern Championship Wrestling. They came to my, That's middle, right. they came to my middle school and wow. like fought in the hallways. Mm. And I, I don't know. I, I just love wrestling. Philadelphia's a great wrestling city and i just i love the theatrics and the athleticism and really the escapism that yeah. you could have you know that you you can't unfortunately go around in real life just saying suck it to people uh, and your <laughs> sure. boss you know <laughs> but m- maybe you did i don't uh-huh. know but it's uh, it's just i i, I just always love wrestling man i just uh and to be able to do a film on wrestling and, and to be able to kind of pay homage to like the whole industry even yeah. though it was a film on rick flair was such a like a privilege for me yeah but you picked rick flair to do it on and i can't think of a, you know one person that would be a better subject he was my first choice yeah you know because he's like you know he's very multi-faceted multi-layered and and he's usually in the discussion as the greatest of all time and I was interested in well, like, how do you determine who is the greatest wrestler of all time if it's if it's predetermined? Sure, you know, like what what goes into that, you know? And obviously, in the ring, he was exceptional. But also, outside of the ring and yeah. his promos and everything, and he kind of really lived his gimmick, uh, and especially in the '80s when everyone kind of played a character. He really wasn't playing a character, and I found that like really interesting to do a film on. Well, it's the on- authenticity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he brings because like yeah, if you knew Ric Flair, uh, like he lived that twenty four seven, man. I mean, and he loved every minute of it, and and so did the people that were around him. Yeah, it was so cool. He's a fun guy to be around, you yeah. know. So I can only imagine what it was like to be around him when he was like the champ, and it was the nineteen eighties, and there weren't cell phones, oh, yeah. and you could kind of you could get <laughs> yeah. away with a lot, a lot more, more stuff. Yeah. And have you ever heard the uh, the term nation? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. where like you don't have any care for money or yeah. anything like B- that. Buy the hey, everybody in the place, buy them around. You know, I mean, it's it's just you know, it's nature. Yeah, it's funny because <laughs> Triple H told a story, and I don't think it made the movie, but he said that like Rick was doing that, and he goes, "You know, you like owe us like hundreds of thousands of dollars right now, so mm-hmm. you're really spending our money." <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, I guess he spends it whether he has it or not. I think he's gotten that under control a little bit, you know, yeah. now that he's in like a, a monogamous relationship. He's not nature as much. He's sober now. So he that's buys so, like Diet Cokes for everybody. That's so <laughs> crazy to think of uh, Ric Flair, number one, in a monog- monogamous relationship. Yeah. Uh, regardless of if he was married or not. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's just that was his deal. That's Ric Flair, you know, uh, the Space Mountain. It was crazy in the movie that like, you know, you can hear like my questions in the film yeah. when I'm asking him, and I ask him like, "Hey, did you ever think about just being faithful while you were married?" You would have thought I asked him, "Did you ever think about just jumping off a building <laughs> right. one time?" I mean, it was like a ludicrous proposition. I'm like, 
faithful while you're married. Like, what are you talking about? And he just didn't, I guess, see it that way. But he's almost 70 now. So I don't I don't know if the chicks are beating down his door hey, anymore. He's got them. a good one now. So I think he's still trying to beat down their doors. <laughs> Maybe not, like, for sex, but, you know. Yeah, well, Wendy, his... his Current fiance. I mean, she's a good-looking woman. Yes, she is. Drop that gorgeous, actually. Yeah, yeah. She look. I mean, she doesn't look much different than she did in her heyday. That's right. As Fifi the maid. Right. Yes, for sure. And uh, he loves telling people that she was Fifi the maid (laughs) as well. So um, no, it's cool. And it, it was. It was a great story to be able to tell. And almost like you couldn't script it with how now his daughter. Uh, Charlotte is the champion and arguably the greatest female yeah. wrestler right now, I would think. Yeah. And, oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. And there are ton- they in WWE alone, they have some amazingly mm-hmm. talented ladies and I I just honestly think that um she's almost a, a, you know, in a league on, on her own. She's almost. so she's so athletic, you know. Yeah. Like Rick doesn't get that much credit sometimes for being a good athlete, you know. But I mean, if you think about how he's able to flip over the turnbuckles, yep. I mean, he was doing some pretty crazy bumps when wrestlers weren't doing big bumps back in the eighties that right. much. He was doing some pretty wild stuff. So he, I mean, he was on a football scholarship to University, University of Minnesota. Minnesota yeah. yeah, and she's a great athlete. I mean, she can really, I mean, go. She yeah. probably even even holds back a little bit. I would think. Because yeah. I, it seems like some, in that Hell in a Cell match that I saw, like you know, she could probably have done even more. Yeah, that's what I that's what I hear. That's what I heard about that match in particular. Yeah, so yeah. she could probably. I think she she told me her goal was to main event a WrestleMania, and I don't think that's out of the question at no, some point. Yeah. No, definitely not. Um, what was the biggest challenge of doing that? Of, of doing the, the the film itself. Yeah. I mean, I think it's always just getting trust. You know, like, especially in wrestling, you're not always sure if what you're being told, you know, is it the truth or are they playing you a little bit? Yeah. But I think, like, you're, you're having Sean on the on the yep. show. Um, we interviewed him at his, his ranch. And for, like, the first hour we interviewed him, he was kind of, like, he was being honest, but he was kind of almost, like, putting on a little bit of, like... A front, like a smile, like, oh, but you know, that's Rick, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. what are you gonna do, Rick? But you could tell he was like kind of holding back, like he wanted yeah. to tell you something else. And we had like a, a little break. His son came to like ask him a question, and like, I don't know, it just took me back. Like, he gave his son like a kiss goodbye, like, they were like such an affectionate little family. Mm. And I said to him, we just started talking about being a dad, and I mentioned that Rick had said that wrestling was his number one love. And that, like, really, like, struck Sean. Like, he's like, more than your kids, huh? And then he said, so you really want to get into this? And then, like, for the next hour, he was, like, an open book and kind of was, like, really, you know, almost giving you, like, hard truths that yes. a friend would give, that he he felt, like, almost helpless to help Rick. Like, he was, you know? Yeah, and, and I noticed that Hunter's, uh, like, the stuff that you used in the film uh, that, that he said... Mm-hmm. Was exactly like that. It was mm-hmm. just hitting right between the eyes, just like you know, t- almost some like tough love sound and stuff. You, you you said too the film affected you when it came to like your your children. Right? Yes, definitely. Especially when when I got to the point, I was just going to bring that up actually. When I got to the point where they started talking about uh, Reed and mm-hmm. you know David and all that, because I knew both of them, mm-hmm. or I just don't know David. I, haven't, mm-hmm. I don't speak to him that much, but you know, it's just so so incredibly sad, like. Mm-hmm. And and it made me think, and it hits so close to home. Uh, 
just, uh, you know, we're absent. Mm. You know, we're out there doing our thing, living it up, and, and our children and, and are at home with their wives. Mm. Yeah. You know, and they don't have a father. And then, you know, for me personally, obviously, you know, I've talked about, uh, you know, my particular fail failures as a father mm. and you know you see that and and literally man it it, it brought me to tears not just tears but like you know i was i wasn't just having a tear trickle down the side of my face let's just put it that way it's crazy what how you kind of not you specifically but you wind up repeating sometimes the things that you as a child, you know, like hurt you so much, yes. you wind up somehow repeating them to your own kids. And I, I felt, like, I feel like Rick felt maybe a little neglected from his own parents with just attention, yeah. and he was always looking for that attention Even and, from his adopted parents. Correct? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I mean, one thing that struck me on a film I did, uh, the Book of Manning on the Manning family, um, is like a guy said with Archie Manning. You know, Archie Manning was a really big deal. He was a quarterback in New Orleans yeah. and everything, but he said he never made himself the focus of family life it was always about like what his kids had going on uh -huh. so it was never like hey i'm this former quarterback it was like hey uh eli has a little league game or or peyton's in like he you know he was in like the pta or whatever and you could tell like all his kids especially cooper they all have like such a good self-confidence and i think that's the biggest thing you can give your children when they become adults is confidence yeah that, and in who they that they know who they are they know that they're loved so, I mean, I'm hopeful that I, I can, I'm giving that to my yeah. kids. So, my first, I'm sorry, TK, I know you want to hop in here. <laughs> I, I, I was, <laughs> hold on a second. I, my first, like, when I first saw your name associated with the 30 for 30 for Rick, mm. uh, and then I looked into it, I had seen Book of, uh, Book of Manning. Mm. I, I had seen that part, but I didn't put your name to it. Okay. And it, it made me, like, I'm not a huge football fan, to be honest with you, Rory. I grew mm. up in Tampa. At a time when we had no sports teams except for the Tampa Bay Bucks when they were wearing orange and white. Mm. So you know where I'm coming from there, right? <laughs> right. So I wasn't really into sport, just wrestling. Mm -hmm. Best wrestling in the world as far as I was concerned for it. But um, and he was, God, I'd, sometimes I talk around in circles. Uh, I saw that. And I couldn't stop watching it from beginning to end. Mm. And I, like I said, I'm not that big of a football fan. Mm. And it just, your, your stuff is, okay, like, it's, these are human stories. Like, I mean, and, and sports is just a backdrop, right? Well, thanks. I mean, I try to pick topics that everyone can relate to. So, I mean, everybody, one thing we all have in common, all of us, is we were all children at one point. Yeah. I think, like, deep down inside, we're all still kind of that kid. Like, if you really think about it, oh, you still, sure. you know, the way you think of yourself, it doesn't matter what you've done. So, I try to touch on things that are relatable, no matter what. And everyone's gone through struggles in their life and, and doubt, doubts themselves. So, if I can find those things that are, are relatable, like you mentioned, I mean, beyond wrestling, that you yeah. related some other things to Rick's story, then I feel like I'm doing my job, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead, TK. I'm sorry. So I was wondering, one, um, after you're done filming and you're putting everything together, did Rick get to see it before? He did. Yeah, I showed the first person I showed it to before anyone saw it was Triple H. Because I, like, I really wanted... Um, I felt like he was a great person to show it to because besides being an executive with WWE, he's Rick's friend. Mm -hmm. But he's also like a, a wrestling fan. Like he loved wrestling from that, that era. And that's like what kind of got him wanting to be into it. So I feel like he can wear different hats. And, and when he kind of gave his sign off and his approval, that like really meant a lot. And he was really like kind of 
just very sweet, sent me like nice texts yeah. about it and was really supportive. So the first time I showed Rick was at the San Diego Comic-Con. We were both there for other things. And, man, talk about an experience when you're watching a film with somebody in a hotel room and they're talking about uh, calling the person an alcoholic in the film and he's drinking while you're watching mm-hmm. the film. It was, like, surreal. And I was worried, was he going to, like, turn around and punch me or what? But uh, he was cool. He hugged me afterwards. And, man, I just tried to be genuine, you know, and not whitewash anything. But at the same time, not take, like, cheap shots. Sure. Because I didn't want to do a film. Like, everything I see on wrestling, it's almost like it's always about, like, the underbelly and how everything's bad and treated poorly or drugs. And that stuff may exist. But also, like, what about the joy that wrestling brings people? Mm -hmm. Why do people like it? I wanted that to come across as well, that beyond just Rick's story, which has a lot of sadness and tragedy in it, I mean, he brought incredible amounts of joy to people, and he's one of the best entertainers of all time, not just one of the best wrestlers, one of the best entertainers, you know, and you mentioned like Chris Jericho, it's no accident that people like Jericho and The Rock and yourself have success in other entertainment genres because wrestlers to me epitomize just great entertainers wow so clearly you spent a lot of time with rick flair all a lot of hours for you what did how did that bond develop and what it was the most surprising thing that you learned about him that maybe you didn't know prior well i mean i try to develop a bond with all the subjects i work with if i can and, you know, some documentarians don't think that's a good idea, like you shouldn't become friends with your subjects because it could kind of make you biased. But to me, you know, I think it's good because you get trust and they're willing to open up. And I try to be really genuine. So we did form, like, I think a pretty good friendship. I mean, the thing with Rick is, like, everybody's kind of his friend. But how many, like, right. how many real friends mm-hmm. does he have? He's one of the most charming human beings you'll ever meet on the face of the earth. Yes, very much so. And, like, I went out drinking with him after we did a shoot uh, on St. Patrick's Day. And, you know, he was kind of, he was being like Ric Flair. And, like, for the, the you know, 12-year-old version of me, this was, like, incredible. But at the same time, you know, I felt like he was, like, a little putting on a shtick almost. And when he got sick and uh, almost died... Uh, I went and visited him in the hospital. Uh, he had just gotten out of the ICU, and he was kind of in like a little like rehab, physical rehab place. And I felt like like I, I felt really close to him because we spent I spent like the weekend there, and we were just watching football. And like he got on the phone with my son. My son was calling me. He goes, "Let me talk to your son real quick." And I'm like, "Oh my god, what's he gonna say?" <laughs> my son's like ten, you know, <laughs> and uh, he's like, uh, "You know, you should be really proud of your dad. He's a good man. He's a good friend of mine." And thought that was just like a really nice thing for him to do he didn't have to do that and you know like he like held my hand while we watched football and I felt like like genuine like love for him during that time and think like he knew that I cared about him just the fact that he would even want me to visit him at a time when he's very vulnerable was really special and I, I, I have a lot of love for Wendy and his whole family so that was really cool to get to your question about what was the most surprising thing I mean I always go to the fact that he said he he slept with ten thousand women. I mean, I just that cannot was, get over. Everybody was talking. About I can't that count one. to ten thousand. Have you been trying to do the math yourself? Figure it all out. Somebody was like, somebody was like, did you verify that? I'm like, how am how I going do you to do that? Yeah, yeah, like call up some woman, be like, hey, in 1978, did you meet Rick at a Ramada Inn? I mean, there's no verification. of Well, that. obviously, a lot of people chimed in on that. Yeah, you know, you, you had some like adult 
film stars saying that's BS. Or What's even it? I think Gene Simmons or forget yeah. somebody's. Rick you know. hit me up actually, like after the interview, like the next day, and he was like, "Look, man," uh, he's like, "I was doing the math," and he goes, "I don't, I don't think it's ten thousand. And I'm like, oh, really? He's like, yeah. He's like, I really think it's closer to like maybe eight thousand. And I'm like, <laughs> and he was saying it. He was saying it. He was saying it seriously. Like he wasn't making. He's like, I really was thinking over. He's like, I think I threw in an extra thousand or two. I'm like, uh, I think it's okay, Rick. I, yeah. I don't think eight thousand is still an incredible mm-hmm. amount of uh, people. So, so you know, speaking of that part, uh, have you uh, have you seen any of the criticisms of? of the film as far as like glorifying things like that yeah i I saw a couple of things and i I think that that's a little bit of a valid criticism but at the same time i think what i try to do is look there's humor in some of the stories you know there's humorous things because he's this outlandish character but I, i i found it powerful when his son david was like how could you live like that like he he represented to me the criticism of it yeah. being like you know why would you want to do that like to him that was that was just like outlandish because yeah. now as an adult you know he has his own children and he could never even fathom living like that so i think kind of in the film i tried to give different points of view and you know rick has his own truth and then other people do sure. and i i don't want to be like glorifying that behavior you know that it's cool to be exposing yourself on airplanes and and all that stuff especially in the me too movement but, but how do you how do you not how do you not uh you know have that in the that in the film though no. for sure and the way he tells it i mean he tells it with a smile on his face and you know i, I guess it's I, I mean he's telling a story about being at the uh psychiatrist's office saying that he drinks 15 drinks a day and he's drinking and driving so i mean he's he's done some crazy things but i think you know without beating people over the head with it we showed that he paid the price you know that that was like one of his lines you got to pay the price he lost his son yes his son you know mimicked in a way his behavior but there's only one rick flair and his son couldn't couldn't party like him and mm-hmm. couldn't couldn't live that lifestyle and fell into drugs. And I mean, what is worse than losing your child? Mm-hmm. So I think he did. He lost. He's he paid, paid the ultimate right. price. I and I so. I don't think that your I don't think that your film uh, said anything but that. Yeah. I think it was obvious for sure. And I mean, I don't know what you saw when you worked with him, but like the people I talked to, like we interviewed Baby Doll. And uh, we interviewed Missy Hyatt. She yeah. didn't make the cut. But they, they never said, like, he ever acted inappropriate at work. Like they said, when he showed up to work, he was there to work. And re- he took wrestling very seriously. And, you know, he didn't, like, he wasn't hitting on Baby Doll or anything like that. So yeah. he kind of d- did that after the show. And he was, man. Like, honestly, to deal with him, it, like, we didn't see eye to eye back then when we worked with each other. Matter of fact, we were probably each other's least favorite person. Really? Yeah, well, I mean, because a lot of guys got, like, a lot of the boys in the back, like, got me stirred up, you know, and uh, so, like, a lot of the things I did were fairly disrespectful to Rick. Uh, were your personalities different then, do you think? Oh, yeah, and they're still <laughs> way different. <laughs> how so? How are you guys different? Well, I I just said different, I, the, the things that... that uh, that yank my crank are different than the things that yank Rick's. <laughs> I, I just the things that make me happy in life. I don't need. I don't. The things that that I covet in life are different than, than the things that Rick covets. If that makes any sense? Yeah, you know? for sure. Like the the big. You know, I don't need all the big fancy 
this or that. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you, and nothing against that. Mm-hmm. You said you're not one to be in somewhere and be like, what, you don't know who I am? Or it seems Definitely like Ric Flair not. is the person that's mm-hmm. like, come on, guys, you don't know who I am? Except for the fact that very few people don't, don't know, know who, who Ric Flair, Flair is. is. <laughs> right, right. Even because, I mean, I don't look the same as I, I used to. Rick, even now, you can still tell that's Nature Boy Ric Flair. What's funny is uh, one of the things Triple H said like when we were just talking is that he's kind of he was best friends with almost like every like degenerate yeah. like in wrestling that's but right. like he wasn't a partier you I can know, vouch for that 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 that's kind of interesting that you why were you guys so friendly with him if he wasn't into like going out as much and drinking and stuff because we had every other thing in common that we need to have in common to be friends that's cool you know uh, our love for the business are just other other similar values, right. I think, right. and uh, and also uh, the fact that you know um, the Hunter and Judge, mm. you know, and he, you know, and just like okay, I'm, I'm going to take this in a little different direction just for a second. Paul is uh, uh, like back when I was going through stuff, and he actually came out here and picked me up and flew me to Atlanta and put me in rehab one time. Mm. And he was telling me on the way, he's like, kid, you know, I wish I could relate. Like, I, he grew up with both both parents, strong, you know, family. Mm-hmm. He grew up in that, and, and it's obvious, like a, a totally stable family, you know? And he's like, I can't relate to the things you went through and, mm. you know, how you got to where you are now, mm-hmm. you know? But he doesn't judge, mm-hmm. and he never has, man. And he used to go toe-to-toe with us, it just except for not with the drinking and the drugs. Mm. But he'd go, I mean, he'd be with us the whole time. That's Thank that's, God, because we need someone to drive. <laughs> <laughs> that's really cool. Were you? Have you been able to? And I don't mean to get too personal, but no, were, you able to, were you able to like reconcile with? You have a daughter, right? Yes. Like, do you guys have a good relationship now? Yeah, See, yeah, we do. That's good, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I guess you. Can't, and my son's talking to me again now too. Well, that's good. I mean, I, it takes. What do you think? Probably just they need to see consistency because you've been exactly. pretty clean for a number of years, years now. now. Yeah. So now, now they know it's not like you, you, yeah. you are the real deal. Sure. And that you know, like I've had false, I've given them false hope many, many times throughout the years, and mm-hmm. so it's kind of like okay, we'll see. You know, yeah. we'll see when when you know whatever. So yeah, it took a while, and I'm still working on it with my son. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, look. You, People, it's just breaking that cycle. Yeah. I think that's what I found. Like, because I've done different projects with people that have gone through, you know, their parents. So, like, you know, we were talking earlier. I did the CM Punk series, and like his parents were pretty big into drinking, and he. I don't think he has any relationship with his parents. No. So, you know, he kind of he wanted to go in a completely different direction well in, in usually you either go one way or another right yeah yeah and you you kind of gone in a completely different yeah. direction now so yeah. i mean that's good yeah well when making this 30 for 30 there was a lot of criticism about showing this blading scene <laughs> and it didn't get put in there but you could see b-roll of like him in the mirror bleeding and then mm-hmm. wiping it off so why did you choose not to put it in there <laughs> and why did you want to shoot that to have it for the film? I wasn't going to ask you. No, this. that's all good. Uh, he, well, Rick loves to cut himself. Like, like you don't have to like really convince him. Like, he's really proud that he can cut himself. And we rented uh, a wrestling ring, and we just wanted to shoot some like abstract things of him, kind of like throwing punches and chops and different things. And a lot of times, you're not really sure how you're going to use it. You just want to do it. So he's willing to 
to cut himself. I'm like, sure. Like, we'll film it. No yep. doubt. And we just wound up using it where he's looking in the mirror because, you know, it's like re- when it's real blood and it's coming down off his face, it's 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 pretty graphic. And it, it, it was almost having the effect where you wanted to change the channel, like almost yeah. like look away yeah. versus when he you can tell that he's cut himself and it's kind of more like uh, a wound and he's looking at the mirror, very introspective. It kind of to me felt a little more emotional that way yeah. so we kind of went away from the gratuitous aspect of it hey rory when he did you notice anything change about him when he caught himself i mean was there you know what i mean was there like did it put him in some different kind of a mode like you know what's funny is uh him just getting in the wrestling yeah. ring was pretty crazy we had a wrestler show up like an independent wrestler really nice guy but rick didn't want to get in the ring with him and he was like no nah, man, I don't. I don't like his physique. He's okay. like, you got to get a better guy. And I'm like, oh. And I'm like, well, we just need a body. You're not even gonna see it. So he's like, will you get in the yeah. ring? And he <laughs> he chopped me. I and, saw that. I mean, man, it was like orgasmic. I mean, I this was like <laughs> this was like the top like three moments of my life getting chopped by Ric Flair. But you know, like he's like almost like teaching me. He's like throwing punches and he was kicking me and he was saying like, you know, no, you got to put your head down. You got to do this. And it's like he. Once he stepped in the ring, he became like this different person, a totally different person, like a teacher almost. He's, he wants to be in the ring wrestling still so bad. I don't think there's one thing in life he wants more than than to be back in the ring wrestling. He lo- I He mean, still thinks he can do it, too. And he probably can. I, I, does he even after his health scare? I don't know. I saw Probably hope, not now, yeah, but yeah, you know I, what I mean. Before he that, was saying yes. it. Yeah, I think now he's just happy to be waking yeah. up and going to appearances and everything. Yeah. They had him in the ring. Did you see that? He was dressed as, like, the colonel. And he, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, he did, like, a little thing with yeah. him. But, I mean, he is very lucky to be alive, yeah. and I think he knows that because they gave him a very slim chance to pull through. Yeah. Hey, hey, Rory, let's talk about Coach Snoop a okay. little bit. Okay, all right. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Wow, man. Wow. Like I was telling you already mm-hmm. when we were talking about uh, Book of Manning. Um, I, okay, let me just say this. You do not have to be a football fan at all Mm-mm. to be in love with Coach Snoop. Thank you. Unbelievable. Definitely. I can Unbelievable. attest to that for sure. I appreciate it for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've done a couple of series with Snoop now. And um, actually, Snoop saw the Book of Manning. And he's like, let's do the book of Snoop Manning mm-hmm. because his son was playing football. And we did a series called Snoop and Son. Yep. And, uh, man, he's he's an awesome, awesome guy. And uh, WWE Hall of Famer. He is a WWE <laughs> Hall right. of Famer. He was in the Ric Flair movie. And, uh, yeah, so he, he started this football league. And a lot of people now kind of know him more as, like, the fun-loving Martha Stewart mm-hmm. joking around. But, I mean, he... he, he done hard time and he's uh he's a former gang member right. and mm-hmm. he started a league for for at-risk youth and he coached a team of 13 13 year olds and they're a really interesting uh group of kids to document because they're not really kids anymore but they're not men yet and but they want to act like men that's right and it's they're a, going through puberty it, it's crazy and They're kind of um, a marginalized section in society. It's kind of like, just go over there and shut up. You don't have an opinion. So Mm -hmm. for me, you know, I mean, we even see it now um, with the Florida school. Like, there's certain, these kids are standing up and they have a voice and they have an opinion. And there's a certain section of the population's like, uh, you, you, 
you're not this isn't really how you feel someone's telling you how to say this and look i i i loved being able to give a voice on this show to kind of this disenfranchised section of the population that's growing up without very much money not two parents in the household and they they have opinions and views and they're human beings too and you can kind of see like one of the characters this kid j-rock yeah is he he looks younger than he is he mm-hmm. looks like he's almost 10 or 11 but you can kind of see how a kid can kind of go down that path from a sweet lovable kid to kind of an angry, angry young kid. man well, his mom passes away yeah. mm-hmm. she didn't tragic, pass away she was killed yeah. right yeah. right in, in a, a hit tragic and run. fashion yeah and a lot of times you know when you grow up uh and you don't have the resources to get like mental health like you don't talk to a counselor and and two we're taught as as men or as boys that uh, don't show your emotion you know keep it keeping it uh, he actually says he to says snoop yeah. he says to snoop i'm not a girl mm-hmm. i'm not gonna cry like a girl and then in the last That's episode right. uh, no spoilers here but in the last episode you know snoop says i cry all the time mm-hmm. i've lost people close to me there's nothing wrong with crying because if you don't cry it's going to come out in, in other a ways really bad way yeah and he was yeah. getting into a lot of fights and everything so um, yeah, I'm hoping that we'll do a season two and be able to update people on how the kids are doing because they're in high school now. Yeah, the kid that really uh, hit close to home for me was Max. Oh, right, I love Max. Yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, you had texted me too, like with his dad not in his life and everything. And, and I still, in my opinion, I tell me if I'm wrong or not, but it just seems like he would still wouldn't have been there if Snoop wouldn't have flown him in. I agree. And uh, from what I was, I talked to Max's mom and she said he's really not kind of in his life at mm, all. And figures. And, and you know what, man, like it's crazy. Like with wrestlers today, bringing it back to wrestling, you know, with being on the road, but you can, you can FaceTime now. Yeah. You can have a relationship with your kids. You don't have to put in that much effort. You can, yeah. you can FaceTime every night. You can be on the phone. You can be texting them all the time. You can be yeah. up on their life, even if you're not with them. And it's so easy to do that. So to have an excuse like, oh, I live in a different part of the country, yeah. I think that's just BS. Well, when it makes it to the and, and, and the thing about that <laughs> yeah, is, right. the thing about that is, uh, you know, I know <laughs> as a father that hadn't seen their kids in a while like him, like sometimes it's really awkward and you don't know how to find the right words, mm. you know? Uh, but man, like... The, the, the only thing that guy wanted to do was, uh, you know, give him football advice. He already has football coaches. Right, right. He needs a father. <laughs> For sure. I really like the scene with, uh, there's the grandfather in the show, oh Big D. He kind of looks like Suge Knight a little uh-huh. bit. and But he's taking care of his grandson. Yeah. And he actually says to the guy, he's like, don't don't be one of these MFers that just shows up for football. He's like, who cares about, you know, you need to be here. You need. He was kind of putting on him because he knew, you know, yeah. he's, I'm sure he's seen a lot of guys kind of come in and out of mm-hmm. kids' lives. And, uh, you know, it's, man, just showing up is like half half the battle. That's yeah, what they say. I, I think I, I saw that quote once that like 90% of a parent is just showing up. And I think you see that in the Coach Snoop series that a lot of these parents aren't perfect yeah. and maybe they don't use the nicest language and whatnot, but they're there and that's a big deal. That's what I want to talk about too is the, uh, the, the you language. know, the, yeah, the language mm-hmm. and, and the, the way the coaches talk to the kids. A lot of people watching 
Mm-hmm. Be, you know, might <laughs> might be taken back by that. But sure. like, I think they really need to understand and and maybe try to look right below the surface here. You know, there's a lot of fanny being used, but it's not like they're calling, you know, saying, you effing idiot. Like, it's yeah, not like they're, you. you know, it's not like they're running these kids down, calling them names, belittling them. That's just the, you know, the language of, yeah. you know, the, the, well, the one, well, the one coach will, does okay. call the kids an effing idiot. Does he? Yeah. Well, I don't, I, I don't but, subscribe to doing that. No, no, for sure. He doesn't do it in a, in a way where it's, it's almost like when women greet each other, they call each other bitch in, in certain communities. He doesn't do it in a way where it's just kind of like he's saying it at them, if that makes sense. And the thing with that, what, what I appreciate is if you are an athlete or a student kind of going through the system, it's great to have different types of coaches. Because when you go into life and you go into a workplace and you might encounter something that's not necessarily cursing you out to that extent. But they're either very aggressive or whatever. You know how to handle that, and that's kind of my issue with a lot of parents. Who are like, yeah. well, you can't, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. And now you're stripping away the opportunity for that child to kind of learn how to handle different personalities. Yeah. So that's why I can respect about like Snoop's. Like, if you look at all the coaches and how they interact with the with the kids, it's different. It's different types of coaching styles based on their personalities. Yeah. Well, I think you know, hopefully, if you're putting something good together it stirs debate and you know we're not trying to say this is the right way to, to, to do it and look i mean snoop's constantly smoking weed and putting stuff out on social media gonna... and then he's around kids and yeah i mean the, I, I remember in the first episode we had there was a little debate with netflix one of the executives over there when the team got thrown off the airplane and basically the coach is the one that got him thrown yeah, off the did. plane the kids didn't do it That's it right. was the coach and he's like well what are we He's like, what are we trying to say here? I'm like, I don't know. I mean, this is just what happened. Yeah. I don't know what we're trying to say. I mean, I think it's you leave it up to the viewer. Is he a good influence, a bad influence, somewhere in the middle? I don't know. So we just tried to show like a real slice of life and make it as genuine as mm-hmm. possible. And I think the language really helps. Being able to hear that language and even in episode two, they Snoop kind of talks about the N-word, you know, yes. like you because like. A lot of people, you know, are taken aback by that. Like, do you have to say that so much? And he kind of explains where he's coming from. And you can kind of either agree or, or disagree. That's right. And uh, hopefully still enjoy the show. Were you on that plane? I was not on that plane. But uh, one of my directors, Jeff Sikovic, was. And to his credit, all the cameras were packed up on the overhead. And he heard what was going on. He took out his phone and started filming I mean, he just knew because nowadays you can get some some good stuff on yeah, your you phone. Can. So yeah, yeah, he and then he went and uh, got the camera unpacked yeah. when when we went out there. Get but up. yeah, he was able to get. Has it. your son seen uh, Coach Snoop? My son hasn't seen Coach Snoop. He saw the uh, Nature Boy film. Oh, they don't really like my stuff that much. Okay. They, they think it's pretty boring. <laughs> they like and, to come to the red carpet dressed as Ric Flair. But that's yeah, that's true. Stuff. They like to meet the celebrities. They like to meet Snoop. But um, actually watch it. Uh, they think it's boring. So don't go by that. I just I, 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 I found it interesting how you, how you uh, handled the, the marijuana subject. Okay. What, what did you great. think? Like, what did you find interesting? Well, I personally agree with it. I, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously people know that I'm an, I'm an advocate for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've kind of pulled back a little bit on that now since I'm starting to do mm-hmm. uh, some speaking engagements talking about addiction. Right, right. Uh, this and coming some Saturday. Peop- that's right, that's right. And some people might see a conflict of interest there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, you know, so all I can say is, like, because this is part of Snoop's life, like, 
a big part of his life, does that disqualify him from working with kids and helping kids? Because obviously he's doing a huge amount of good. Right, for sure. And, and it doesn't seem like the marijuana is really uh, affecting things in a negative way. He should way. be studied because, like, he goes against the stereotype of right. weed. Like, when I smoke weed, I don't want to do anything. Like, I just want to <laughs> sit there. I don't want to go out. I'm not social. He is the opposite. He's like the hardest working guy in show business. Mm-hmm. He's always working. He's always grinding. And it's well, like, when you're always smoking weed, you get used to it, Rory. He's got. And I, you just I asked him. Just motor he, on through. He, he was telling me there's different strains, <laughs> yeah. and he's like, he's like, you know, he's like, you got to try the purple, purple, derple, and I'm like. I tried it and I couldn't move for like eight hours. Yeah. He he goes and films like eight TV shows with Martha Stewart. So he's he's just a different cat, man. He's got he's actually the hardest worker I've ever been around. I've never been around someone that works as much as that guy. How tall is he? He's pretty tall. Man. Oh, I know because I have a picture with him when he was inducted in the Hall of Fame and he looks like he's seven foot tall standing next to me. <laughs> yeah, he's uh Yeah man, he's just I guess he loves what he yeah. what he does, and when you love what you do, it's not really work. That's what he says. Well, I heard in an interview you had to send someone over to tell him to take his chain off because it was interfering <laughs> with his mic. Right, right. I'm, yeah, that's 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 a that's kind of a funny story. I'm, so we were filming this thing, and he was going to be talking some personal stuff to kids, and he didn't want us in there with like the boom mic. Yeah. So he's just wearing just a lav, so we can kind of stand back. But he had all these gold chains on. And the audio guy's like, hey, uh, can you tell Snoop to take his chains off? They're, they're hitting the mic. I'm like, oh, you want me to say it? I'm like, sure. So I went up to him, and he was, like, kind of salty about it. He's like, I'm a rapper. You don't tell a rapper to take off his chains and whatever. So he's like, uh, fine. And he takes them off, and he puts them, like, on me. So I'm walking around with these chains looking ridiculous, and we, we shoot the scene and like for about an hour. And then afterwards, when we were done, I'm giving him his chains back, and he's like, hey, I want you to keep one of them. And he, I'm actually wearing it uh, now. Wait. I'll show you. Let's it's, see. it's a, it's like a lion. It's like a lion pendant. Oh, and, wow. um, Snoop lion. It was mm-hmm. Snoop lion. Yeah. Like, and he was like, he said this like really nice thing to me, and he's like, you know, I got nothing but love for you. Keep, don't be afraid to push me. Like when I don't want to do something. So, like a week later, my son wants a watch, right? Yeah. And so uh, we're at like a jewelry store. I'm like, I'll just see how much. This necklace is worth this chain because afterwards, like when we were with the crew, the crew was like, "Man, that must be like thirty G's, forty. How much do you think it is?" I'm like, "I don't know." So uh, the the jeweler like comes out and he takes one of those like little eye pieces and starts appraising it, and I'm like, "Well, how, how much is it?" And he's like. Eh maybe 90 90 100 dollars oh. and i'm like and i'm like what what are you what are you talking about he's like well you know it's cold plated and cubic zirconian and and i'm like what do you he's like yeah the brand's right here king ice he's like you can get it on the internet and i'm like <laughs> so then so then when i saw snoop next i mentioned it to him and he's like what are you doing getting that appraised you don't get a, a gift appraised that's terrible <laughs> he's like, he's like you cheap he's like of course i don't wear real jewelry i don't want to get jacked for that stuff and i'm like oh man that's I, so good i didn't know so and actually a little personal. Is he going to be hot? You're blowing the spot up right now. <laughs> so um, I, I, I have this tattoo, and it's of that uh, necklace. It's a lion. So um, Snoop knows my family pretty well, and I recently got divorced, and you know it was a tough, tough period of my life. And Snoop had found out about it, 
and he was like, uh, he wanted to talk to me in private. I thought I was in trouble, and he's like, he's like, hey, I just wanted to let you know I heard about what you're going through, and I wanted to let you know, like, I'm here for you, you know? He's like, you're a good dad, and he's like, whatever you need from me, he's like, if you need me to come down and testify for you, which would have been quite a scene in court, but <laughs> yeah. um, he was like, hey, do you know why I gave you that lion pendant, why I chose a lion? I'm like, why? And he's like, because you got to have a heart of a lion in life. And he's like, you got to always protect your pride, which is your kids. Mm -hmm. He's like, never stop protecting them. And like, and then he like put his arm around me. Like, I'm getting a little emotional thinking about it. So he's like, he is a genuinely good person who cares about people. And, you know, he has like all the same people around him that he did 20 years ago. So he, he's a good guy. He's been very good to my kids and my family. And I, I'm, I, consider myself blessed to have him as a friend yeah what i really liked about this that a lot of people hopefully they get to see is that rappers and people that they see in the me media are not one-dimensional so it's just kind of like you see him he smokes the weed and all this other stuff but you're also seeing him you know affect kids in positive ways mm -hmm. so how can you you know condemn this person for doing one thing and they're doing another thing because then you have to look back at yourself and say okay well you know you're not Jesus mm -hmm. and i think a lot of people that criticize Snoop in that aspect they don't look at what they do in their lives so i love stuff like this and you know tied into black panther who hasn't whoever hasn't seen it needs to go and see it it's just like you're seeing people in a, in a different light and you know everybody is more than what you think they are most people are shades of gray Absolutely. it's not they're not usually black and white i'm mm -hmm. sure you know you've seen it with wrestlers like we were talking before the show about like hawk hogan you know that you you were saying that you found him to be a great guy and yes. do do a lot of really nice things for people but i mean maybe other people had bad experiences you know maybe sure. it depends on the situation I know when some people that had to do business with Hulk, as far as like wrestling, wrestling him, you know, mm -hmm. might have different stories. Right, right. You so, know? but then you, you know, he was the first guy to visit Rick in the hospital right. when you know there weren't cameras there. He wasn't looking for anything, and Wendy had told me he was reading Bible verses to Rick when he was in a coma. So, um, and he was super cool uh, for in the Nature Boy film with me. Uh, very nice, very. Pretty pretty good dude, and uh, actually, in a he was actually looking at pictures on his phone, Hulk Hogan, and like I guess fans summed him pictures, and he like he was getting like tears in his eyes. Yeah, I mean to me that guy is wrestling, you know, like he's got to be in wrestling. I mean he is the Babe Ruth of wrestling, don't you? Agree? Absolutely. Yeah. So hopefully yeah. he'll come back. Well, you were saying in an interview you really want to tell his story, and he hasn't had mm -hmm. a legit story told. So is that one of your next projects? Definitely a, <laughs> a, a Nobody's reached out. I mean, I, I I'd love to tell his story. There's a lot of great wrestling stories, but I mean, to me, Ric Flair, Hawk Hogan. I mean, those are two of the biggest ones. So, you also I'm, said The Rock was someone you want to tell their story. Oh my the gosh! Rock, if you yeah. do The Rock, then I need to be on set. So, Rory, <laughs> is there is there anything you can tell us about any upcoming projects, or are they secret? Uh, I, I have just a couple of different things in development. I'm hoping we'll do season two of Coach Snoop. So, you know, Netflix is one of those things where they really do monitor how many people stream the show. Yes. So if your audience can take a look, it, it does help. And I'm hoping, you know, we'll be filming season two in the next couple months and uh, putting a lot of energy towards getting that going. You need to dust off some... Not that your uh, mantle is dusty, but you're going to need more room for Emmys and things like that coming up, man. Hey, man, uh, 
As long as it pays the bills, I'm down with anything. I'll film a bar mitzvah, weddings. <laughs> I don't, I don't, the Emmys don't mean that much to me. I, I can imagine you taking a bar mitzvah and make it very compelling viewing. <laughs> well, it just means a lot that you know you said that you've enjoyed my work because I'm a big admirer of your work. Um, great. You know, yeah, you uh, you brought a lot of good entertainment to me through the years, especially in college too. From the DX chops to the two sweets, and uh, <laughs> yeah, man, you're you're a legend. So I'm really thankful. Just that you see my work. Hey, so Rory, uh, when we talked to Sean a little bit here, uh, I really love it if you hung out with us and. uh, Oh man, that'd be awesome. That'd be an honor. Thank you for sure. Well, we're gonna take a break right now, and then uh, we're gonna come back with the greatest of all time. Well, some people think Rick is too, (laughs) and that's that's a that's a good debate actually. (laughs) Anyways, we're gonna be back with uh, Heartbreak Kid, Sean Michaels. Hey, Xbox One Two Three Sixty fans! I just wanted to tell you two ways that you can support the show to help it grow. First, if you've ever wanted to shout out a surprise message for various occasions from me, all you have to do is visit celebvm.com/slash Sean Waltman to request a video today. Not only does it support the show, but a portion of the proceeds go to charity. Second, to visit ProWrestlingTees.com slash Sean Waltman. That's the only place to grab shirts with the X-Pac 12360 logo, Wolfpack, or many other designs. If you pick up a shirt, make sure to tweet us using the hashtag X-Pac 12360. That's CelebVM.com slash Sean Waltman for a personal message from me, X-Pac. And ProWrestlingTees.com slash Sean Waltman for X-Pac, Wolfpack, and X-Pac 12360 gear. Thanks for supporting the show. Now let's get back to it. Welcome back to X-Pac 12360, everyone. Joining us right now over the phone, one of my dearest friends and uh, the greatest of all time, Sean Michael, the Heartbreak Kid. Yeah. I just want to hear oh, what what was that Sean <laughs> no it just you you sound so professional and, uh, <laughs> oh. it's just uh, wonderful your introduction there with the exception of calling me the greatest of all time you were you were spectacular okay um, well who um, do you think the greatest it's, of all it's time amazing is? how well you come across well, I mean, most people think you are the greatest of all time, Sean. You know, I mean, the, the conversation yeah, is... Yeah, well, what you, do they know? You and Rick. <laughs> you and Rick, and we were just talking about Rick earlier. So, I mean, that's when the conversation comes up. It's either one or one of you two. So, Yeah, well, that, that, that's always that's always uh, very sweet. But, look, you know as well as I do, you're, you're very biased. Yes, um, I am. <laughs> I, uh, I, although I would... I, I, uh, you know, I think the same about most of my buddies as well. I think we were all pretty decent at uh, do, doing our job. It was a it was a fun job to do, and and uh, we certainly enjoyed doing it, and especially with one another. So it uh, it was hard not to be you know not to be good at that stuff when you're out there having so much fun. No doubt, Sean. Hey, um, it, it's so cool that that uh, that you that you decided to uh, you know we were ta- I was talking to Rory earlier and he said like when when he went out to your house like it didn't even show up on his gps it's nice to have you back in civilization man so we can see you once in a while (laughs) yeah yeah well you know what i mean it was uh look it's so on one hand um i do i I miss the ranch and i miss seclusion of, of of where we were at but you know it's uh you know it's one thing for we're me to enjoy that. Um, I want to be away from everything. You know, the kids were, you know, we're getting to an age, you know, they're, they're both uh, teenagers and, and, you know, starting to, you know, really, you know, it's time for them to start living up 
you know, their dreams and their aspirations for their lives. And, you know, that just wasn't, uh, conducive for that time in their life. And, uh, you know, we, we, uh, we came to Florida on a vacation and, and, um, you know, during, during, during the vacation, uh, we just, you know, Greg and I sort of decided that we liked the area and, and the kids seemed to like it. And, uh, we just thought, and, 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 you know, we have, we have, uh, she and I, from the day we've met each other, have, you know, I married her, you know, a couple of weeks after I met her and, you know, our whole life has been sort of like that. We've, we've, uh, you know, sort of just, uh, you know, bebopped and skipped along through our lives and, you know, decided, Hey, you know, let's, let's move to Florida. It's time yeah. to go and it's time to embark on something new in our life. And it's, you know, been an adventure the last 20 years and, and clearly at 52, I mean, I'm, I'm not ready to stop doing silly things. So, um, yeah, we just, we went home and packed up and moved to Florida. Hey, so did you, did you decide to move to Florida before you got the, uh, got the call from Hunter to do the performance center and all that stuff? Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, it, it, it was, you know, I had, while I was here on vacation, I'd gone down and, um, you know, made a couple visits there and, you know, and way back when he started it, it was, um, you know, something that he just sort of always touched on, you know, like, you know, as, as, as he's mentioned to all of us, Hey, anytime you want to stop by, you guys come in and, sure. you know, um, you know, add something, help something. And then of course, um, when we talked about moving here and, 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 uh, and then, we were here for three weeks, so I had time to go down there and really just get a feel for, for everything that was going on there. Yeah. And once you have time to be around it, um, it's, 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 it's infectious. And honestly, uh, Sean, for, you know, for me, I think the time away for me was good. Um, you know, after, after doing that job for 25 years, to have the time to, to go away and, you know, just, I guess the thing is, I guess I wondered if there was, you know, you sort of, you go through that stage of, okay, I'm, I'm done wrestling now. Is, is there, is there something else that I'm supposed to do? That's how I am. Is there anything else? You know, I, you know, I, I go back into my seclusion and I, you know, I said, much. do you think that like, were, um, were, you, so, were you worried that maybe there wasn't a place for you in wrestling that it, that the business passed us up or? Well, no, uh, I guess the thing is the, the only option that appeared to sort of be there again is to continue to, you know, work with, um, you know, at that time, you know, the, there's always something there available from a WWE standpoint, but as you know, that can become, it's still very busy. And I, I was just, I wanted to really make sure that I got away from, I retired to come home and spend time with my, my wife and children. Yeah. And so I just, and, and so I, for me, and, and again, I, I mean this all in a, in a good way, but you know, anytime something, you know, I could have been off and on vacation or whatever. And anytime something awry went wrong, I mean, they knew they could call me and that I'd jump in and fill in. And so when I did retire, I, I, I felt that I needed to be pretty adamant about the fact that I wanted to be, Away, away, because if I sort of skip in and out, everyone gets the impression, you know, you, 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 you know, that, you know, you still want to be around it. And, and the, the schedule, whether you 
try to start with just doing it once a month. It eventually creeps into two and then four and then six. And before you know it, you're back in there all the time. Um, and so for me, I just needed to be away, away. Um, and then when we ended up moving to Florida, it was a, a real opportunity to um, still be around the business that I enjoyed, but do it again. I mean, I, I, I go there on a weekly basis, but it's, it's, I'm, I'm home every day. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, I go there, you know, three days a week and for a few hours and, and then I, you know, I'll go on the road here and there, but the TVs are all here. So it's, it's, it's almost, it's the closest thing to a real job. Yeah. Um, it sounds like it. <laughs> that, I, that I'll ever do. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, the like, back and it, forth it, commute it, every day. It, like that's the whole, like, yeah, it's so crazy hearing you t- say that. <laughs> Well, it is, like you said, I mean, and again, you know, Hunter was, it, it, look, they, they, it's one of those things that, um, you know, he said, look, you, you tell me what, you know, how much you want to do or can do and, and we'll go from there. Uh-huh. Um, and, and it, again, it was, it, it was a, it, just a perfect situation. And of course, everybody there is spectacular. The environment is amazing. As you know, the times you've been around yeah. and dude, it's like that all the time again. And I guess. You, you can't beat a job that you get to go to and where your, you know, your dress attire is, you know, shorts, tennis shoes, and, you know, a tank top. Yeah. You know, that's what I, you know, <laughs> uh, or, or a very loose fitting, uh, you know, WWE shirt. It's just, uh, it, it really is just a spectacular place. And, and Matt and Sarah and everybody there is just absolutely wonderful. So it's a, it's a phenomenal environment. And as I say, it's, it's something where I get the best of everything. It's it's still getting to be in the in in, in the wrestling business, and certainly in a place again at the beginning. Yeah. Where, you know, before stuff gets a little busy, it gets a little tough. It gets a little more business oriented. All the things it's supposed to be, but here it's more of the you know the development, the training aspect uh, before it gets into that hustle and bustle yeah. of, of of serious life. And that's the part of it that I enjoy. And, um, and as I said, they, they were fortunate enough to let me, you know, do it and, and feel like I could bring something to it. So it was hard not to, you know, to take advantage of that situation. Well, what, what is, what is it that, that like when you first went down there and, and checked everything out, uh, did you think, uh, w- w- was there any thoughts of, Hey, I could add, this is something I could bring to the table here that they don't have going on right now. Was there anything like that that you saw? No, you know what? I mean, it, it's such a complete, um, I don't know, just a complete facility that they have there. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like, I mean, Hunter's done a, a really good job, certainly doing his best to try to bring as many different attributes of what we would all refer to as the old territory yeah. days. Again, you've got a number of different um, coaches there from different eras, different styles. Um, you know, even you know, different nationalities, so to speak, and still having that all under one roof. It's about the closest you can get to it, and then giving them the option of you know they've got sort of two separate groups. The the the, the much younger group does a lot of the shows around the Florida area, and the more advanced group, uh, you know, obviously goes darn near worldwide now. Um, but it, it just really seemed like it was just a really well thought out planned situation. So honestly, it, it appeared to me 
that they had just about everything covered. I guess the only thing, um, and it's certainly not anything that I, you know, that I picked up on, but it was something that, you know, that Bronson and Hunter mentioned. He said, look, he said, we just, he said, we don't really have, you know, a whole lot of people who have been, he said, with the exception of, you know, of me, and, and he goes, and I only come down here, you know, it's once a month and I'm running the place. He said, but we don't have a lot of people who have really been where you've been and have done what you've done. And he said, I just feel like you'll bring a different perspective. You know, yeah. there's, there's, um, you know, you, you've, 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 you've done a lot of WrestleManias. You've, you know, you've, you, you know, you've been through a lot of you know, experiences, good, bad, and otherwise. And there is a, there is a value to that. And there are certainly, uh, you know, a lot of do's and don'ts and, and goods and bads, and a lot of experience that, you know, you can certainly, uh, you feel like you can help guys with, yeah. I like to think I sort of faced every possible situation that they're going to come up against. So it's more, I guess, trying to help them from that aspect. And it's very tough to do if you haven't been through it. Yeah. A lot of the people uh, that I talk to, Sean, a lot of the, the talent there um, that have been, you know, that have more experience, they, uh, their, their favorite thing is to go to the tape studies that uh, you do. Well, that, and I got to tell you, that's what's so, again, I guess, again, you know, when we used to all sit there, we used to call it monitor time, Yeah, right? monitor I time. Mean, Can we explain to that, to, yeah. to everyone what that is? Mon- like, in the back, you know, where where all the talent would sit while, while TV is going on, you know, and, and you're waiting for your turn, you know, your segment or whatever. Uh, so they have the monitor, yeah. and we all sit and at the monitor. Go ahead, Sean. You can finish. Right, well, yeah, no, and as you know, we'd, we'd all sit there and, and, you know, obviously, you know, a lot of it in fun, but, you know, I mean, but you would, you could, you know, even though you're sitting there ribbing guys or whatever or, 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 or knocking something that's going on in the match or liking something, you're like, ooh, holy cow, or, or you know, or even hecking, oh, I'm stealing that, whatever the case may be. Um, or just ripping someone to shreds. Would... Let's be honest with with the people, <laughs> Sean. We would rip people to shreds. Come on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, well, no, no. But, but, Ourselves but at the same included. Time, you'd also sit there and, well, again, it, like you could sit there and 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 also be like, dude, oh my goodness, you know, how many t- how many matches are going to work a headlock? Yeah. You know what I mean, or something like that. Or like, That's oh right. my goodness, first four matches have done this, dude. Just, you know, you go, I don't know what you guys are doing, but don't do that. Yeah, you know what I mean, um, or what? And, and and again, so now they've got, and we just had that at TV. That was it. Yeah. And as you know, at the live events, the only way you could watch any of the other matches was to stick your head outside the curtain. You know. Um, yeah find the place where you could go and stick your head out there and watch. And, but now they, they film every event, every live event, absolutely everything. Heck they film stuff, you know, at the, at the performance center. Um, and, 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 and they, and they do, I mean, they've got promo rooms, they got promo classes, you know, they've got sort of like media train. It's, it's, it is just a full scale, everything going on. And so now you're able to sit there and watch these matches that these guys had in Saginaw, yeah. Michigan, um, yeah. at a live event. And you and and you can sit there and say again that, hey, you know, this worked, that worked, and 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 by the way, um, you know, I get it. You're trying to save yourself for the big shows and everything else, but at the same time, dude, that looked like you phoned it in. 
or, yeah. or you know, or, or you know, or vice versa. Oh my goodness, don't kill yourself. You know, um, again, find find it. Okay, you don't have to go off the top. How about just a regular? You know, how about just a dive through the middle ropes? You know, yeah. <laughs> again for for Saginaw and save the dive off the top for you know the takeover or whatever the case may be. So you're just, you're, you, there's so much more access to what they have. And, and, and uh, it's no, no different than any other sport, the more tape you can watch. And then of course there's a library of absolutely everything under the sun. Wow. Um, and I tell you what, what I think is really cool is you, you can go back again and everybody knows this, this match, but it's something that again, I, you know, you, because the business has changed and it evolves and there's, you know, a lot of shut up old man river, you know, that, that, doesn't, <laughs> yeah. that doesn't work any, anymore. Yeah. Well, and again, and, and the thing is, look, I appreciate that because that's, look, they told me to slow down. Every generation tells every generation to slow down. And then we all tell that old generation, shut your pie hole. You just can't <laughs> keep up. That's right. And then, you know, and then, yeah, you know, and then we all sort of get to a place to where we, yeah, we may, we slow down a little bit, but not quite to the tempo they like it. But we find our footing, um, and and the thing is, you know, we that wasn't too long ago. But I was just curious if the you know if Savage Steamboat from WrestleMania three, you know, does it still pass muster all yeah. these years later with this young talent? And of course, it still does. Yeah, you does. know, and that was, and and you go back and you heck, I mean, like I challenge some guys to find some stuff of Ray Stevens and I had a guy find some stuff and it's amazing Sean when you see how ahead of the times some of these guys were how you know again I mean Ray's I you know Ray will be a guy that I think is you know probably the original greatest of all time yeah. you know and so before his time and nobody even remotely for the most part, puts him in any conversation because there's hardly anything out there of him. But he was, you know, so visual and so amazing. All you know, in, in the '60s, and heaven forbid, you know, he was doing stuff that again people think is still neat today. He had the flip um, in the corner. If you take, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he was doing that long before it was cool and it was amazing then. Hey, can you imagine if the, I, I, I would. Like okay, all of those all those matches leading up to WrestleMania ten, all those ladder matches, man, that you guys had in those house shows, and none of them, none of them are on tape. And if oh my god, I just think about if they were recording everything back then, because some of those, man, like oh, I yeah. heard you guys even say uh, some of those leading up to WrestleMania were better than the actual WrestleMania ten ladder match. For sure. Well, and it's funny we were actually sort of you know just discussing that today because I had someone ask me, they said, look, didn't you, wasn't there a time, you know, again, when, you know, whatever, for certain one reason or another, you sort of, you know, whatever, you took it easy, you saved yourself and, 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 you know, whatever, didn't sort of go all out. And of course, I, and I did, it. I, it took me some time. I said, you know what, I mean, give me some time to think about that. And, and honestly, I mean, I came back a couple of days later and I said, look, I was, I did. I gave it some serious thought, and I said, "I said when I came back after I came back in 2002. Yes, I, I eventually got there. There were times that, you know, heck, I'd be whatever working a, a live event on a Saturday, no, Sunday afternoon, 
And it'd be me and Seamus in the main event, and I would say something like, "Yeah, Sunday's the day of rest. I'm not going to drop the elbow tonight. You know what I mean? I'm going to save the hip for TV tomorrow. And, and uh, so no elbow, but everything else I'm going to do. But going back to from 90, whatever it was, 92 to, or even 88 when Marty and I first yeah. got there till I left in 98, I can't remember a time when I sat, when I, when I consciously remember thinking to myself I was going to take it easy because that was that was our whole problem with you know with the guys that were a little older than us yeah yeah right we felt that they were doing that so we just went crazy gung-ho every dang night and of course that's what I you know that night that day I used that as an example I said I said everybody always talks about the fact Scott and I had ladder matches all over the place I said do you honestly think I wasn't taking the slam off of the top of the ladder in every live event? Yeah. Or do you honestly think I wasn't taking the nut, you know, you know, the nut on the ropes, getting said, caught we in the doing, ropes? Yeah. 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 I said, we were doing that stuff every night in every house show in the ladder match. I said, that certainly didn't, you know, I mean, everybody thought it was nifty at WrestleMania 10 and we, nobody accused us of taking it easy that night. I said, that's right. all the same stuff we did in live <laughs> events all over the country before we did that stuff. So, um, but again, and again, not not to. I don't want to give anybody you know, you know to imply in any way that you shouldn't be saving yourself, and certainly that is, you know, you certainly should. But I'm just saying we didn't have enough sense yeah. uh, back then when you're trying to make the you know the road to the top of the mountain, so to speak. Um, certainly, for us, you know, there wasn't there wasn't a lot of nights off in that respect because and that, we all hadn't. And especially on that billiard, oh, yeah, we had, on that we billiard table yet. ring. <laughs> the hardest mm-hmm. ring in the history of the business, except for Tijuana. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, Sean, you were able to have but such look, incredible matches yeah. with Kevin Nash and Psycho Sid. How were you able to showcase their abilities and their talents that maybe others couldn't bring out? Well, you know, I, uh, it's, you know, I, I always sort of appreciate people. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that's, some kind of nifty thing to do, but I always, and I think, you know, that kid will tell you that. I mean, working with big guys was always pretty yeah. easy because <laughs> the story was so simple. It's uh, it's so visually easy to tell the David and Goliath thing is something that, uh, you know, has worked since the beginning of time and continues to work today. And so that was, you know, as long as you ran fast around those guys <laughs> um, and, and then let them knock your block off, um, it was usually, you know, actually pretty darn easy and and fun to do because it was a it was a simple story that people could easily understand. Someone that big beating up someone, you know, considerably smaller, um, you know, is, is an easy thing for people to believe. So honestly, working with the big guys was always enjoyable to me and. Because again, it was it was it was an easy story to tell, and so now it's just a matter of how you want to go about telling it. A lot of times, that's where a lot of the work is done is trying to figure out your, you know, as we say in the wrestling, you know, figure out your psychology for the match. That one's always that one's built in, and so um, when you when you sort of get to check that box right away, now it's just a matter of figuring out how you want to go about doing that. And you get to spend the rest of your time thinking about how you can do that in 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 a way that's maybe different than the way you've done it before, and and uh, that's really you know all it comes down to because it's very simple for people to understand that big guy um, 
beating the tar out of that other guy. Sean, did you uh, did you like being a good guy better or a bad guy better? Because you, especially when you came back uh, after your layoff, you were pretty much a good guy the entire time. But man, you were a great bad guy also. What did what did you like? What did you like doing better? I don't know anybody. Um, I, I it's I'd be hard pressed to find anybody that doesn't like being a bad guy uh, better than being a good guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, because it. it it's because it's, I don't want to say it's easier because clearly, you know, I, you know, certainly at one time there was a lot more responsibility on, you know, on the bad guy, um, you know, in, in regards of, to, you know, controlling the match and the tempo and, you know, having a feel for the people and things of that nature. But creatively, I think people feel, um, more at ease being a bad guy because almost you feel like whether it's true or not, but it, it you know, is, is you know, whether it's true or not sort of irrelevant. You feel as if you can do anything, yeah. and that to me honestly is sort of the key to this line of work. Anyway, is being free enough with yourself, secure enough with yourself to understand that you can do just about anything and have it add to the match and the character as a good guy. That's a lot more challenging, especially these days because, um, you know, that good guy sort of persona, depending on how it is, you play it. It's, it's a lot tougher line to walk now, um, than it once was. Um, as I think we all know that, you know, the, you know, the good old fashioned, you know, uh, you know, kissing babies and, and, <laughs> You know, hugging gals and stuff like that only goes so far, and then people turn on it for the most part. Yeah. Um. So, so as a good guy, it it, it is more challenging how you can do that. One of the things that certainly helped me when I came back, um, is time, time and tenure. Um, always help. You know, you you sort of get to a point to where your nostalgia. Yeah. Um, carries over a lot of things they may or may not like or you, you know what I mean um, and certainly for me um, you, you know sort of always incorporating so much of my real life in that yeah you could say it's too namby pamby and too this and too that but one of the things that sort of helped was that well you know we've seen him you know he's gone through a bunch of wars he's had a lot of time he works pretty hard you know I mean there was a, there are enough things that garner enough respect and admiration from the people where they don't sort of dump on you as hard as they would when you were they're much more forgiving at 40 than they are at 25 i'm almost to the point where these days like i i don't think it's a good idea to to introduce anyone as a baby face because unless you're established like it's really hard for people to get behind like like you were saying, like it takes that tenure and that familiarity and that like that emotional equity that takes time, you know. Well, well look, it's it's very tough for a lot of guys. I mean, I'm uh, one guy that does it right now and does it very well, and is one of those guys that can get away with a lot of the stuff you're talking about. Um, is Johnny Gargano? I knew you were going to say that. You know, yeah. Well, but but, it, but he's a Daniel Bryan esque again type. Where, you know, Daniel, you know, you know, Brian could still get away with it. Um, 
because there was enough grit to him and things that they liked. And again, it, 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 it always helps. Nowadays it helps, believe it or not, when you're smaller. Yeah. Because we, you know, we've done a decent enough job over the years of establishing that whole, you know, the, that smaller guy isn't going to get a break. They're going to keep him down. And so that now helps him in, you know, in a way that did not help as much uh, in our era because, you know, yes, it had been a little bit established, but certainly um, it wasn't, it, you know, we were the ones doing our best to try to establish yeah. it and it hadn't been completed yet. And you know what I mean? So, um, that, but to your point, kid, I mean, that there are, it is, it is very difficult, especially, um, sort of if they feel like you haven't earned it, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It, it also, um, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, you can go at you. That's fine. Well, <laughs> no? I was going to say, uh, oh, I just had it. Oh, you trained Daniel Bryan. When he first walked into the Texas Wrestling Academy, did you think he would be the person he is today and have the following he does now? Well, I mean, I don't think you have any idea as far as how far they'll go or, you know, the impact that they'll have. But I knew right away, uh, you know, him and him and Spanky were going to, you know, were just, they, they worked too hard and were too good at it at a very early age to not have some success. And, the one thing that I told them then, and it, it all proved to be true that again, the one thing that was going to work against them was their size. Um, and that was just a, a, a realistic attribute of the wrestling business. Um, but I, yeah, I know I, certainly not to the extent that he did, but you know, once it started to happen, certainly didn't surprise me because the thing is, you know, we gave him, you know, again, it was, this was just the very beginning. We gave him again, just the tools and, and more, more importantly, just, you know, the idea of being able to get in, he was the one, um, that got well-rounded and I can remember, you know, taking him to Japan the first time. And, and, and again, he was, you know, him and, you know, uh, Spanky, I refer to him as Spanky cause he's Brian too. So, mm-hmm. um, but it, it, uh, you know, they were already interested in that and, and, and they were already guys that were interested in learning different styles. Um, you know, they, they, they had the Japanese wrestling. And so that's all you can do is tell them what guys, all you've got to do, you've got to go to these different places. And, and, and that's, that's a decision, you know, to, to get more well-rounded in, um, you know, in those styles, uh, because again, by that time in the States, you didn't have the opportunity like we did to work with guys from Europe and Japan and different places right here in the States. Now you had to go over, you know, you had to, you had to, you know, you had to go to Japan, you had to get booked in, you know, in the UK and, 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 and things of that nature. And I gotta be honest, one of the best things that he ever did was because Regal knows everybody. I mean, mm-hmm. Steve Regal knows everything about the wrestling business and, you know, heck, Sean, I'll tell you, I, that's one thing. I've been doing this for 30 years, but I don't know anybody. I've worked in one place. Yeah, he's telling and, the truth. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He left that to the well, rest the of thing is, look, I, Yeah, well, but, it, and I've never been a good, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not, a, I, I'm also not, 
I don't keep cards. I don't, you know, I'm not a good uh, whatever they call it. You're not into sentimental stuff? The, sentimental keepsakes? Well, no, no, but I mean, it's, well, the, well but again, the, uh, you know, keeping people that you might, you know, need to know and, you know, know this and know that. You're not a schmoozer. Know this guy, know that guy. Yeah, well, I just don't know how to do any of that. You know, yeah. I'm not, I'm not real good at it. I found the one place I wanted to be, and that was that. And so I just, um, I don't know. I, I never had an opportunity. Like at 23 years old, I was with the WWE. I knew I didn't want to go anywhere. So there's really no sense in meeting or getting to know other people, getting contacts and stuff like that. Um, yeah. And, you know, that I never knew that I was going to be training people one day or, you know, or have people seek me for like, hey, can you help me out here, help me out there? Like I said, that's what's even in, you know, the those smaller training days, Heck, it was, I want to say it was uh, PJ. It was just incredible that, you know, that helped us get the ECW hookup because I was just trying to find my guys different work and different sure. places to go other than just there in Texas. And truthfully, I didn't know anybody. You know, I, I just don't, I don't, and, and, and you know, I, I've never, I never had to do that thing where you, you had to get yourself booked. I'd never mm-hmm. worked the indie scene or any of that stuff. So, you know, believe it or not, I was limited in, in you know, in what I could do, it was, um, like I said, I, I was able to get a lot of them on the WWE radar and with the little develop, you know, WWE developmental thing that they had at the time. But after that, it was going to be them having to, to find people that, that knew people. Cause I honestly did not, you know, have a great deal of contacts in that respect. All I know was WWE people. Hey, Sean, when, uh, going back to Johnny Gargano, uh, the match that he had at, at, at TakeOver, did you produce that? Well, I mean, you know, let's put it this way. I, uh, I keep, got, I got, got my you written all over it, man. All the guys that are in my... <laughs> 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 I mean, well, the, the, the guys that are in my class, you know, I... I uh, my name my name is never on anyone's match as producer. Right. You know, that's one of the things they, they allow me to do is... You know, I get to do the Pat Patterson thing where I float. That's right. Um, and, and you know, and sort of go from, you know, place to place, to match to match. And, and so, yeah, I mean, they, they uh, you know, they had some just phenomenal stuff, you know, uh, laid out. And, and I just threw in some things here and there like, oh, my, you know. And what, one of the things that, that I so totally love about, uh, you know, sort of this generation some of the stuff they do is phenomenal. And the thing is, it's become their normal. Okay. Yeah. So I don't think there are times that it's, it's their normal. So they don't know how phenomenal it is. It's just something like, Oh yeah, they can do that all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and so just trying to get them to like, dude, that's impressive. So you, we got to do that. And you got to let, you got to give us time. That's stuff we got to talk about. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and if you go into something else right away after you do that, They've got to call the action. Yep. You know, so stop right there. Do you know, figure out? I don't care what you sell. Do whatever it is you got to do, but give us time to tell that story because that is freaking phenomenal. And so that's honestly the areas helping them with. They put together great matches. Yeah. Helping them to also build that into a really phenomenal story, and 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 put some psychology behind it. I, you know, I, I hope that's where I, I help. Man, there was a lot of, like, you know, uh, bada-bing, bada-boom, you know, like all that stuff that Pat used to uh, 
it, was, it just it had that feeling, man. You know, those all those big moments in the match and just, uh, yeah. It like I said, it had you written all over it, Sean. <laughs> and the whole well, card, the, man. That, as you know, look, you know, as as, as Pat used to, you know, he, we would so we would have a bunch of stuff. It would be cool, and then Pat would just rearrange it. Yeah. In a way that, like, you don't understand. You do this, but then it builds to this, and then you do this, and then it builds to that, and then. And so that's honestly that's where I learned it from. Is like, ooh, that's right. When he he managed to put it in a way, we had a bunch of cool stuff in there, but he was able to put it in there in a way that it all built and fed into the other, and built to this big huge culmination at the end. And again, that's the thing that that's what I enjoy most out of it because again, they do. You aren't uh, to me again, and the generation after them will will. I'm sure up the bar, but I feel like this generation of guys is just, you know, does, you know, they do some just spectacular stuff. And to me, it, it, you know, I, I, they do stuff I can't do. So I, I, I you know, and I'm, yeah. I'm not of the ilk of like, you know, geez, you know, they can slow down a little bit, but they, you know, they'll do that when they're ready. That's right. right. Or when they want to, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. but Sean, sorry. It's all about building it in a way that tells a great story. Well, speaking of the young generation, back when you started your career after the Rocker split, I wanted to know where the inspiration for HBK came from. And also, when you were paired (laughs) up with with Sensational Sherry, you know, I wanted to know where the idea came from because, you know, she wasn't really paired. She was paired more with main eventers during that time. So how did that connection come through as well? You don't read my tweets, do you, Denise? (laughs) HBK came from the heart of Kurt Henning music art. Let me answer it. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. No, well, but uh, honestly, so, um, you know, Curry's the one with the name, but so Sherry, so Marty and I, we do the split, um, and I believed I, we had some kind of tour. I want to say it was like a Japan tour thing where we were doing stuff with Tenaru. Yeah. Went over and, and did some stuff there. I came back and received a phone call about how they were putting me with Sherry and I got the music and stuff like that. And gosh, I remember them playing it for me and, and then them putting, you know, Sherry had gone out on TV and done the promo, you know, talking about me and, and put herself with me. And I just wasn't sure. They were starting to do stuff when yeah. I, I was, I was trying to figure out who I was and what I was going to be. And, you know, I'm in my whole, you know, hey, I'm trying to find myself, you know, <laughs> away from the Rockers, taking time to do that. And, and again, Pat Patterson, you know, he said, look, Sherry's been with two guys, okay? DiBiase and Savage, both top guys. Yeah. She's going to raise your stock, okay? We put you with her because she's going to raise your stock. You get put next to her, that's going to put you on another level. And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And then, of course, and of course, Sherry and I were friends from the AWA days, and, and so the next TV, I got a chance to talk with her, and, and I just asked her, like, okay, and you know, and it was one of the things, you know, you, you know, I, you know, Sherry just, was just a wonderful woman. And I said, much yeah. you, know, you know, you know, you know, I don't know if you know this, but you know, you're sort of hot, and so I was thinking about dressing you up this way, and what do you comfortable with that, and putting you in the high boots, and she's like, dude, whatever you want, man, I'm down for, you know, up into this and want to do it, and she was just spectacular she and then was. i mean you know we just that's honestly where we we went to from there and it started out with you know the boy toy thing but then them putting her with me it sort of gave me uh, a direction you know i mean it, it 
again, back then, um, so, you know, I don't think they were called cougars back then. <laughs> no. But clearly, clearly there was a, you know, that was the, that was the vibe that we were sort of given um, with, with she and I going out there with one another. But that gave me a direction. Again, it, and it gave me clearly, um, you know, a, I, I don't want to, it sounds silly to say now because I'm 52 and old, but it gave me a sexual component that I wasn't aware I was going to have. But it, but because I was with her, it, it gave me that area. And that's when I, again, you know, with, with the gear and everything else, started doing the dance and junk like that. And then you couple that with, again, Kurt, you know, talking about the Heartbreak Kid thing and, and playing the song for me and then telling me he said it. And even truth be told, I wasn't even thrilled about. Eh, I just don't know about that heartbreak kid name. It just it seemed again. It seemed it, all of it seemed a little bit too again straight pretty boy thing. Yeah. And none of us, no matter who we are, none of us want to see ourselves that way unless we're real, in real life. We're um, we think we're that way. And, yeah. and truth be told, in real life, I I don't. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but. Um, it just, I mean, I was on a promo and Heartbreak Kid just came out and it flowed and it felt so right. And then after that, I just so got into all of it that it went ahead and took care of itself from there. But honestly, none of that was done, um, in the branding type way that it's done now. They did in a way... It, it was all these things sort of coming together and me feeling my way through it and getting comfortable with it. That's how it came across. That's why it always took so long to sort of trade for the, you know, if you, if you go back in history, Heartbreak Kid was never really on the screen that much at the beginning, even though, you know, we'd have it on my jacket and stuff like that. Cause we hadn't, we hadn't branded it. We hadn't trademarked it and all that other kind of stuff until it was something that we knew where I was going to, you know, that I, it was, it was, it was the hook. It was the thing that was going to be me. Um, and, uh, so in a sense, they did allow me to sort of grow into it, which is, you know, short, they don't really do that now for the most part, you're right. sort of branded as something and you keep that established. But this was a time when, you know, they did, they gave you a little bit of time to sort of feel your way through that stuff. And, and again, I, looking back on it, it was absolutely, I, I couldn't have been more fortunate to have that opportunity because I really didn't, I knew that I wanted to do something, but I didn't know what it was and I didn't have a real positive direction. And, uh, and honestly, you know, with all of that, and then of course, to me, in my mind, that was like, okay, that guy is a combination between Freddie Mercury and, uh, you know, Elvis and Boy George are all mixed together. (laughs) And that's, so that's, that's, sort of you know how that all came about it's a long-winded answer but that is <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> honestly about how, how it all came about it made me think of your gear sean because i um uh, julie youngberg make make makes the best gear of anyone and not nothing against anyone else but uh sean had his own his own private chest with all his like his own gear and the best gear of anyone in the crew <laughs> and uh and that like that's a huge deal sean that was like uh, and th- the reason why I brought that up, Sean, is because 
I remember uh, a couple of different times you trusted me to, to carry your stuff and, and, and air it out for you and, and bring it to you the next day. You ever remember that? <laughs> oh, Vaguely. And so, like, the next day when we got to the building, you had to wrestle in really stinky, like, smelly gear because I never aired it out for you because I passed out. <laughs> oh, my God, you were so oh mad God. at me. And then, you, and then you trusted me to do it one more time. Guess what? <laughs> you wore stinky gear again. You what I knew, right? Well, we talked yeah, about... Well, but think about that. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, we talked about <laughs> young talent and up-and-comers. I wanted to know, what's your opinion on the Young Bucks and any interaction you've had with them? Oh, that's a good question. You know what? I, I, I don't know them. Um, and the thing is, you know, I did a podcast, and, and I wasn't aware. I saw them tweet it, that, and, and, and clearly they're right, and I do remember it. There was a time, so they, I believe there was a time they had a tryout. And, and Marty, you know, again, I called me before that and let me know they were going to be there um and of course you know at tv there's so much going on but but I, that, that's the only um it was many many years ago and i sincerely i want to say it was somewhere in california i could be wrong um but i and so so you know to 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 them and everybody i apologize i, I have met them but it, again, it was a pretty brief encounter um but i you know I, I hear nothing but you know great things about them um you know uh, you know, phenomenal workers, you know, hear that about them and, you know, and that, that Kenny Omega kid. Yeah. Um, and look, I always, you know, I get it that, um, you know, people don't want to be part of the WWE for one reason or another. And they're, you know, their freedom of, of expression and wanting to be artists and all that kind of stuff. And, and I, you know, I totally 100% understand that. I guess I am, selfish in 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 the fact that you know if i i just want the most talented guys that are doing this line of work to be able to do it in a place where they can reap the most for it and i know that there are people that think they're making you know a phenomenal living uh, living away from the wwe and i have no doubt that they are but i you know i still feel like I hope there comes a day when all those guys will come to the WWE and have the opportunity to do it on on, on the bigger stage. So, so again, so the, you know, because I'm just one of those guys that I, I I I enjoy the world being able to appreciate what it is we do. Um, and if you can do it at a, at a phenomenal level, I like everybody to see that. And we're the place, you know, the WWE is the place where you can mm. where you can show that. And that's not to take anything away from anybody else. It's just um, it is that way. And also, I want them to have, you know, like if, if a dude like me can make money doing this stuff, yeah, then certainly those guys can. And I get that they're making money now and all that, but you can create a brand in the WWE that continues long after you stop wrestling. And that's something I didn't know. Mm. And I guess that's the thing that I can tell you after a decade of being retired, I get that you feel like you've made great money, but wait till the day is that you stop. You know, yeah. and then you wonder if you can still make great money. And if you're in the WWE, you can stop. And ten years later, you can still be making pretty darn decent money. Speak, speaking <laughs> you know speaking I mean? of that, I, guess, I don't I don't know yeah, if you, I don't know if you saw it, Sean, but uh, like over the weekend, uh, UFC fighter hit uh, Sweet Chin music during a fight, and they actually called it Sweet Chin music. And no way, they did. And he actually, I think he tweeted to you, Sean, and said. Did you see this? Yeah, I, I hit well, switch in music. I did not hear that they said it, but 
Yeah, it was uh, was it James Vick? I think, right, right. Yeah, James Vick at UFC Austin. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So you're yeah. still you're still relevant. No, I, well, I did. Did he tune up the band like first? Because, <laughs> oh no, he I, the dude's like uh, I want to say he's like six seven or something like that. I mean, he's a big kid, a uh, big tall kid, and uh, no, he did. He tweeted me a picture of it, and of course the thing is, um, that guy, you know, I, you know, I watch that stuff all the time, and uh, you know, um, but of course it's different when you know when when somebody stops it and does a screenshot of it. Um, you know, you know, one could argue with, you know, there are a lot of guys that do that during a fight, but it was <laughs> to watch a dude that fixed up and do it. And, and look, just the fact that, you know, that they watch our stuff, because I mean, you know, I certainly watch theirs and, uh, I, I don't know. I'm always, uh, appreciative. That's what I hear about those, you know, the, the young buck guys, that they do the super kick and all that. And I just, you know, I think that's cool. I get that everybody, whatever, I guess there's, you know, people feel like it's done too much and, and you know, look, you can make that argument all day long if you want, but I guess for a guy that, you know, I feel like, you know, most of them were watching me when they were younger, that's, you know, look, I don't, you know, that's nice. Yeah. And so you know, they can, they can beat it into the ground. It's certainly never going to offend me. Forever, did say, you, because, did you get much? Um, I'm, I just I, never, you know, I never thought I'd have that kind of impact on anybody. So the fact that they thought it was neat enough to do, I think is pretty cool. I didn't mean to interrupt. Did you, um, this is Rory. I, did you get much feedback at all? Like, uh, there was a lot I saw online of your appearance in the Ric Flair 30 for 30. People were like, really thought you had a really strong appearance in the film. And just wondering if anyone gave you feedback and if you heard anything from Rick and if you guys have been in touch since his whole kind of health scare. Oh, yeah. Heaven, Jeff. Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, I, I, uh, obviously text him right away and just told him I knew that he was getting inundated with it, but whatever he felt like he could give me a buzz to do that. So no, we've, we've talked, um, several times since, um, because, you know, I, you know, as you know, Rory, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about the man. I mean, the guy, you know, my, my, my friend and, 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 um, you know, look, you know, I, you know how much I care about him. Um, we, you know, we, 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 we see things, um, in the wrestling business a, a little bit differently, but it's, that's a generational thing. Um, and, um, I, 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 I get it. Um, that's one thing, you know, as the generations go on and, and I do, I like to think our generation, we were the last bit of it. Um, guys holding on to a lot of that. Heck, you know, Sean and I were talking about it at the, uh, 25th anniversary. A lot of those, you know, a lot of that old school mentality. Not all. Mm, I'm glad. I was going to bring this up. I'm glad you're bringing this up, Sean. Keep going. Yeah, it was just. Well, it was just. You know, it, it wasn't right. It wasn't correct. You know, you, you don't. You don't. You don't forsake everything in life for the business. Yeah. yeah that's that's silliness. No one does that. <laughs> um, yeah. And and to, and to uh, do your best to convince someone that if they don't do that, they're not worthy of doing the job. Is simply not true, and at, at the very least, unbelievably unfair and manipulative. Um, yeah. uh, at its least, so one can be incredibly faithful and dedicated and love this line of work, and still not forsake everything about their life, their personal life, their health, you know, their financial stability, everything because of it. Or compromise um, their values. Or compromise our values. Yeah. 
you know, because that's the one yeah, thing that exactly. we were talking about the, the, the other night at uh, Raw 25 is like so many of the things like that, that I, I, and I say we like, and I don't mean everyone when I say we, but like that a lot of us would do are things that like I wouldn't even think of doing now. And I'm so grateful that that's a thing of the past. You know, that part had it is, to die. And look, well, well, and to be fair, some of that responsibility is on us as yes. well for being dumb enough to to buy into it. I mean, so don't I don't, I don't want to lay the blame on anybody's you know porch other than my own. It was you know I was the one that chose to like oh, okay, and you know it's no different than giving in to peer pressure. I sure. mean that you know the people that are pressuring you are wrong, but you also are being dumb enough to believe it are equally as <laughs> as wrong. And so you know I you know take credit. You know, certainly, you know, take responsibility yeah, for my part in all that. But again, it, there was certainly a, a certainly a different mentality, I think, that, than there is now. And I, for one, enjoy the one that's there now. At the very least, you know, our generation is not doing, not trying to pass on any of those negative things to the next generation if we, if we can possibly help it. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, as I say, I you. Know, Rick sounded wonderful uh, the last time I talked to him. Mm. Um, I'm thrilled about that. But the comments I got was that the entire thing was powerful. I mean, that, that's more than anything. Um, you, di- you did a heck of a job. I thought it was, I thought it was fair. I thought it was revealing. Look, is it is it? It's some of it. Is it is it tough? But yeah, but yes, the reality is, you know, the reality of life sometimes is a little tough. And, and and that's what I enjoy. A lot of those thirty for thirties are you know are pretty decent. Um, but I thought you did a really good job, and and I, and I thought it was incredibly fair. And I thought you you know you you painted a good picture, and I, I hope he was happy with it. Um, no, I think he, he, I, I he is. You guys did a really good job. Thank you so much. I mean, you know, I'm still thankful that you participated. And, and hey, I mean, like Rick's, uh, I think Rick's sober for the first time probably since he's like 11. So that's, uh, <laughs> so he's, uh, he's living a, a cleaner life now. And, uh, you know, when so. Rick, when Rick, sure. when Rick saw us at, when Rick saw Scott and I at, uh, at Rod 25, he's like, oh, this happened to me. And I look at you guys and you guys are still alive. What the F? <laughs> 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 well, no, and that's the thing. Look, so on one hand, it is we all, we, you know, well, not all, but certainly you know, my group of buddies, yeah. you know, we all, we, we we all went through it, and and I guess that thing. But we also hung out with a bunch of guys that didn't make it through. That's right. And so it is. It's 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 one of those things that certainly for me, that's the only thing. You know, whatever I, I was, you know. I, Trying to pat, pat myself on the back about anything, but it, I, I, I just the only thing that I remotely come close to doing is I was given a second chance, and there's absolutely no way I'm screwing it up or looking for a third or a fourth or anything else. And so, whatever it takes, um, and it's almost never fun. And kid can attest to this: when you have to, when that day, whenever that day comes, that you have to, you have to face yourself with the person that you've become. It isn't fun. It isn't a fun experience, but it's not supposed to be. It, it's it's the it's the catalyst that changes everything around, and if it doesn't one hundred percent totally suck, it's probably not going to stick. Mm-mm. You know, it's Amen. just that simple. So, um, I tell you what, Roy. I mean, if nothing else, you know, um, yeah, dude, you got to at least know that you know that you, you you were a part of something that 
you know, geez, dude, I mean, I get it. It's wrestling and everything's cool and wrestling and sports and entertainment and all that other junk. But there's nothing more impactful than changing somebody's life for the better. And if you had a part in doing that, dude, uh, uh, I'm not you, but, you know, I would tell you, you can, you can die a good and faithful man in that respect because not a lot of people can say that. Wow, man. I mean, I don't know if I could take credit for that, but uh, I, that's really... Uh, we, we were actually talking before the show, and I was telling Sean, just I, I admired just watching how you were with your kids. You were super affectionate with your kids, and I remembered you telling, you know, I think maybe it was before the interview, just that, uh, you know, wrestling, you thought it was it was silly that you, if someone would put it ahead of their family and their kids, and... You know, you seem to be living living life pretty good, and um, kudos to you. Sweet. Well, I, I appreciate it. Well, again, you know, I uh, tell her I blame that woman. I blame that woman. <laughs> you know. Hey, Sean, we're going to wrap. I, I was a fool dude until I met her. <laughs> Sean, we're going to wrap this up, uh, let you get to your family. I, but I want to give everyone a uh, chance to get you a one last question. Go ahead, everyone. Well, I know Anissa had a really good question. Will you, Mike, Mike, Mark, will you turn on her mic? Sorry. Hello. Hello. Oh, there she is. Hi. Yes. Hi. Hello. Um, hi. Um, so you and Triple H had a great rivalry, and when you retired, you chose The Undertaker. How come it wasn't Triple H? Well, you know what? I mean, I, 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 didn't, I didn't choose him. It was, again, I, and I got to say, so... So much of my career, believe it or not, just wasn't planned. Um, so many things happened by happenstance. And again, and I can go back and I look at my entire life, you know, and how that happened when it comes to, you know, meeting a woman and asking her to marry me in two weeks and 20 years mm-hmm. later, you know, still being married and, and still, in, you know, more in love with that woman than I was when the day I, I married her. Um, but so, you know, it it turned out that, we we had that phenomenal match in in Houston, and I just remember driving home with you know Rebecca and the kids, and and I told her like, and I just you know, I said, I said man that might have been the one ended on. I said I just feel so at peace with everything. I said I think I could you know for the first time ever I could walk away from this and be unbelievably satisfied. And 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 I just you know I miss you guys. I miss spending time with you guys. And I just I don't know. It, it felt it felt I felt okay with this. Just, I don't know. Just, everything was lighter. Everything just felt good, and and she, and she just said, "Well, that's you know." She, you know, she said, "Well, maybe we have something we should talk about." You know, after she's like, "Really, really?" Um, and so, uh, you know, it was something I I thought about that summer while I was off, um, and then I got a call from Michael Hayes talking about possibly doing a return, and and you know. Maybe I can put my career on the line as a stipulation. And don't worry, we we can still work around it. And blah blah blah. You know, you know, we knew the whole wrestling thing where nobody's career is ever really over. And uh, and so all these things just sort of started falling into place. And for me, I, look, I you know, I get I, like it's one of those things again. I blame the woman, but it, my my faith and everything else. Things I feel like fall into place for me for a certain reason. And one of the things I try to do in my life now is I try to go where I'm led. You know, I mean, if I feel like life is, you know, again, much like coming here to Florida, man, it was, I mean, I, I've got no, no loyalties to Florida, for God's sake. <laughs> my loyalties are in Texas and that freaking ranch, but I got up and left it, but felt like that's where, I, you know, again, we call it being called, 
just felt like it was time to do that. It was hey. time to you know be somewhere else for the you know for the lives of my children. <laughs> and and so anyway, that's just where all this was leading to it. And uh, and so that's honestly how it came about. And then. You know, I've told the story of whatever the slammies were coming up, and I just happened to ask them whether we were going to do that match or not. And they're like, oh, my goodness, we don't know. And I said, you know what, I'm just going to go out there and challenge him, and we'll figure out what we're going to do. And Anyway, that's how Undertaker and I both found out we were wrestling at, at WrestleMania. It was me going out there in October, I think, receiving a slammy for the match of the year, for the match of the year before, and I challenged him again. And we just didn't put the stipulation on it, and then as time went, by i just you know we you know i said go ahead and put the stipulation on it and i was good with you know i was curious what your thoughts were after wrestlemania 14 the next night on raw seeing uh sean come take your place in dx nobody takes sean michael's place in dx i had my own spot (laughs) (laughs) let's get that straight real quick no you know what i i i thought i thought it was phenomenal i mean again i guess it's um so the funny thing is, I guess, I, I thought you were going to say, what are your feelings after WrestleMania 14? Um, you know, I was just saying, like, oh, my goodness, the, the complete opposite of the ones I had about the retirement. One was so at peace, and the other one was like, ah, yeah. Right. Um, but, no, and so the next night, um, you know, uh, Hunter comes out. I, I, I had no insight as to what it is, you know, what they were going to do. I'd heard Sean, um, you know, uh, was done with WCW, but I didn't know what it was they were going to do, how they were going to, you know, how Hunter was going to sort of, you know, go on from there. They had, they had certainly talked about it with him, but I didn't know how it was going to continue after that. Um, and so I, I don't know. I just thought they did a great job of seamlessly picking it up off of such a big sort of run, um, you know, into WrestleMania and certainly, you know, and it's funny of, of all the stuff I was, and I guess, look, it's the difference between your buddies and, 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 and people that aren't, you know, it was just, right. you know, I was curious to see, it's funny because people have always wondered like, you know, did you get upset when I said you dropped the ball and this, that, the other, and I thought, no, I mean, it, like it, when your buddies throw you under the bus, you know, you're not, you know, you know, they're not really throwing you under the bus. You know what I mean? And that's just something we always I don't know. We always understood that stuff. We never took anything from the business standpoint personal on one another. It just never, or it it certainly didn't to me. I mean, those guys, um, I guess because of everything that they gave me in those years that I, I look back on, I think God, I'd have never made it without those guys. There just was, there's absolutely, they couldn't, they couldn't, they'd have to, and I'm not even sure because sometimes she makes me mad. They'd have to murder my mom to really get me to, you know, to, you know, to, I don't know, to turn on them, you know, or be upset uh, right. with them or something, you know. I, so, it, it, you know, I was just thrilled that they seamlessly picked it up. They came out with something that was impact. It was new. It was one of our buddies. And to be perfectly honest, and, I, and it's, you know, it's, I, I, I got to say to me, that version of DX, and I'll always go back to when they, you know, they imitated the nation. I think that was absolutely the best, you know, version of them. You know what I mean? As much as, again, when Hunter and I in China, you know, and Rude were doing it, it was new, it was innovative, we were heels, and it was very cool, but there just, there was not a better babyface faction than that version of DX with, with Kid and Hunter in China and Road Dog and Billy. Hey, and some... it was just, they were so incredibly entertaining 
at that time. So it, it you know, it was nothing but, you know, thrilled and, and positive, especially the fact that, you know, the kid was back. Yeah, that was the that was the fun part for me. Um, I, uh, I, I I just about had a brain fart again. Uh, hey, I, but what I was thinking about was some of the moments that we had uh, in DX. Um, I I was thinking about when we invaded WCW. Would you have been all in on that or what? Oh yeah, no. I, I mean, figured. my goodness. I mean, I I and again, and I get that that now again. I think we've all we just become so desensitized to it. But gosh, you don't know how unbelievably cutting edge. And I mean, the, I don't know. And I guess maybe it's because I was in the wrestling business and knew how serious that war, you know, quote unquote, war was. Yeah. But that was just that was huge. I thought, I mean, oh my goodness. And then to find out, because it's one thing to pretend like you're doing it; it's another thing to actually be doing it. You were at their building. That's right. And that to me was just that to me was such phenomenal television. And and to me that's what that's what always gets me. That's what I enjoy. Again, and and that's again even in that time, we were doing such innovative and cool television at that time. It was really hard not to enjoy it. And and like I said, I enjoy any television that's done well. Yeah, Shay, Sean, you know you were just sent, and I'm a, we're going to get going here. It was we're really going over time, but. Uh, you what you mentioned was that you know you said you couldn't have done it without us. I feel the same way, man. Like I honestly, like I I don't think any of us could have done what we did without each other. To the point, like to well, the heights I, that we I, made I, it. I won't disagree, man. <laughs> and and I just think that like you know guys that they would they would uh, do themselves a service by by you know and I think some guys are kind of taking you know taking that model and trying to do their own thing like that, you know. You know, like uh, the, the well, guys that work for, uh, you know, I mean, the girls, the Charlotte and, and, you know, those girls and, you know, some of the guys that behind the scenes are kind of a crew and they stick together. Yeah, well, again, and, and I never thought in a million years that, that, that uh, I don't know, our group of buddies would, would, would start something, again, even, even, I don't know, within and outside of, you know, I don't know, it, it, you know we didn't, it, uh, that wasn't our plan. You know, we were just dudes that were hanging out with each other, and it, and it became this into the unto itself, which is, which is cool. But it, yeah, it all it all started from a, a pretty simple place, and that is, it was, you know, there's a bunch of dudes that you know, I don't know, that needed each other at a particular time, and and leaned on each other, and and counted on each other, and I don't know. I mean, it, for us, that's the closest thing to, you know, I don't know, uh, to the I don't know, bonding and, and, and a friendship that. I don't know. It's, it's it's the greatest one I'll ever experience in my lifetime. And, I agree, and man. Look, I'm I'm taking it with me to my grave, and I'm I'm thrilled to do it. That's why you're spending uh, two hours with me over the phone <laughs> as soon as you get home from work after a drive down the I four corridor. But I'm so grateful that you did, Sean. And I and I saved you. I saved. You, I had you in my back pocket, and I saved you for for a special occasion. And uh, that's today. And thank you, man. I I, yeah, I love you, you very much. much. I love you so much, Sean, and, and, and I thank you, man, for spending your time with us today. Well, I love you, buddy, and, and apologize to your entire crew there for be talking so long, but this oh, is what no. we did in the car <laughs> That's it, man. Oh, no. for years and for hours. hours on end, so, and it still goes on today, so sorry about that. No, no don't be sorry. Hey, is there anything before we go that you want to talk, like anything before you, like social media, plugs, any? I know you're not really that type, but anything? <laughs> no. 
No. Yeah. <laughs> all right, man. Yeah. Well, well keep yeah. Anytime you can throw out there that I'm the greatest of all time, I love it. All right. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, the greatest, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, the greatest of all time. Heartbreak hits on my golf. Thank all you, right. sir. All right, man. I'll talk to you later. All right. All right, buddy. Thanks a lot. Okie dokie. One, one piss break in the middle, <laughs> and we're all good. That was a great interview. Yeah, hey, and and thank you so much for uh, for sitting in on that. Oh man, Rory. that was awesome. And uh, and thank you to everyone that uh, tuned in in our uh, first first official episode uh, on uh, Westwood One and the Jericho Network. Yeah. And so uh, we'll see you all right here next week on Xbox well, One Two Three. Big thank oh, you oh, to sorry. you. Yeah, sorry. Big thank you to you for keeping this podcast going and never just. Throwing in the towel after 75 episodes, being like, yeah, I don't want to spend my week hanging out with these guys anymore. Yeah. So thank you for letting yeah, us you. do this. We really appreciate it. Uh, if you want to share your thoughts about the episode, use the hashtag XPOC12360 on all forms of social media. Anything else you want to send to us, send to us at XPOC12360 at gmail.com. Do you want right. to talk yeah, about go ahead. upcoming me, events? Yeah, go ahead real quick. So... Richland Township Fire Department is presenting Communities Against Addiction, Breaking the Cycle, Saturday, February 24th at 1 p.m. in Jonestown, PA. Uh, Jonestown. Jonestown, Pennsylvania. Uh, tickets are available at eventbrite.com. They're, They're free. free. Or you could uh, reserve your spot. Call the number 1717-361-1660. That's 1717-361-1660. And you also have... A show that you're not you're not wrestling at the show. I am. I'm in a tag match. You're in a tag match for One Fall Wrestling, uh, March 16th. Tickets are available. You can go on their Facebook, the number one FW Wrestling, or you can call one nine zero seven seven zero zero two zero eight and reserve your tickets there. All right, uh, TK. Mm-mm. Oh, sorry. Right, you guys can follow me on Twitter <laughs> and on Instagram at underscore Denise Salcedo. All right. Okay, so you can follow us um, on Twitter, The Real Xbox, IG, Xbox12360, Facebook, Xbox12360 Show. Um, also sign up for the newsletter. Don't forget to put your comments on YouTube, five stars, all that good stuff. And I am still training for the marathon. It's happening. I'm raising money for water pumps in Africa. So if you want to donate, you can just go under my bio at everything at TK Turndown. And she's also got a GoFundMe where she's trying to raise some money for some cough drops. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, need, I need some of those too. <laughs> and Rory? Does that dog have a Twitter? That, that she dog? Does. It's that, baby Lula. That, that's a great dog. She's oh the my best. God. Is that a dog sweater? Yeah, it is. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm on Twitter at Rory Carf and check out Coach Soup on Netflix, please. Yes. All right, everyone. This time for sure. We'll see you right here next week on Xbox 12360. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, Sean Waltman, producers Mark Donica, Jimbo Frank, and TK Trinidad, and the entire XPOC 12360 staff, we would like to thank you for tuning in. Like us on Facebook, rate and comment on iTunes and YouTube, follow XPOC on Twitter at TheRealXPOC, and email us at XPOC1236Show at gmail.com. 